Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We are wrapping up a three-week message series out of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We opened this up a couple of weeks ago. We're going to wrap it up today. So if you brought the Word of God with you, if you've got it in hand, if you have your device, would you head over to 2 Chronicles chapter 20? We're going to be covering verses 20 through 30 today. And uh, what we're doing is we are, are asking the question, how do we respond to a crisis? How do, how do we act? How do we, how do we move through a crisis in a very biblical, God-honoring way? If you weren't with us a couple of weeks ago, we covered the first 12 verses of this chapter. And what we found out is that there was a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. We're introduced to this amazing godly man, and he's leading this nation. It's the southern part of Israel. They're uh, actually, they're in Jerusalem there. And he is leading his people the best way he knows how. They've gone through several different crises in the past, and he's learned to trust in God. And in chapter 20, we are given another crisis. Some messengers come to the king, and they say, King, we have three armies, three nations that have formed an alliance, and they're coming to Jerusalem to defeat you. They're coming after you. And of course, for Jehoshaphat, this is overwhelming odds. And so he does the only thing that he knows to do, which is to declare a fast, to ask the people to start praying. All the people come to Jerusalem and they gather together to seek God's guidance. And we find them in the first 12 chapters actually gathered together, standing in front of the temple, crying out to God, praying to God. And what we learned in that first week is how to respond to a crisis. Uh, The three steps were this. Uh, First of all, you seek the Lord. You seek his guidance. Secondly, you seek unity. You gather other people around you because you're stronger together than by yourself, than being isolated. And and so you wanna find people who are like-minded to walk through the crisis with you, to, to lift you up in prayer, to support you or you to support them. And then thirdly, you wanna pray. You wanna be in prayer. You wanna be pouring your heart out before God, because God is the one who can change the entire scenario. Uh, Last week, we covered verses 13 through 19, and we were asking the question, how can we be confident in a crisis? We saw that the people all gathered in Jerusalem there. They were uh, standing in front of the temple. They were praying, and there was a man by the name of Jehaziel, and this guy receives a message from God, like the Spirit of God comes over him, and he begins to deliver to the people who were standing there praying in front of the temple, God's message. And it's because of this message that we can be confident in a crisis. God's message to the people was this, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then he says, here's the battle plan. Not only do I know what the enemy's battle plan is, but I have a plan for you as well. Number three, stand and watch. My salvation is what God tells them. And then the last one, and this is the important one, God promises that he would always be with them. This is what makes us confident as we approach a crisis or as, as we're in a crisis, that God is always with us. 
Now, this series is called Faith Over Fear. We've been challenging you not to give into the fear, but to choose faith instead. And so what we've been learning is how to choose faith over fear, how to respond to a crisis. And today, the question that I want to ask is, what do we do when we're in the middle of a crisis? How do we act? What's that supposed to look like? Second Chronicles chapter 20 starts off this way. In verse 20, this is uh, just kind of tacked onto the end. The people are standing in Jerusalem. They've been given the message, and now they're getting ready to, to follow through. God told them the plan. You're going to go out. You're going to watch this army, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight the battle. He says, the battle's not yours. It's mine. And so in verse 20, this is what it says. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm, believe in his prophets and you will succeed. What does God want from us when he tells us that the battle's not ours, that he's gonna fight the battle for us? What are we supposed to do when it seems like we're facing overwhelming odds, but yet God tells us, look, this is my battle, it's not yours. What do we do? Well, there's two words here, right here, And this is our first step this morning. We are to stand firm. We're supposed to stand firm. Some of your translations say stand strong. What does it mean to stand firm or to stand strong? Well, I think it's a determination of faith that just says, look, I'm not gonna get ahead of God and and I'm not gonna back away from what God wants for me either. Uh, I'm not backing away. I'm I'm not running ahead of him. I'm gonna stay right with him. I'm gonna confess my faith and I'm gonna watch God work in this moment. I'm gonna stand firm. I'm gonna stand and I'm not going to give in to my fears either. I'm not going to give in to the enemy. See, I think one of the most important lessons that you and I can learn in life is that it's never God's will for us to run away from a difficult situation. Never. He wants us to learn that he is sufficient for every situation that we'll ever face in life. In today's society, I, I think there's plenty of opportunities for us. There's plenty of of reasons. There's plenty of ways for us to run away from difficult situations. Somehow we have in our mind that, that God would never want us to go through a difficult situation, even though he himself went to the cross. And so we tend to run away from these difficult situations instead of learning our lesson, instead of looking for what God would teach us in that moment. Let me ask you, what is your favorite escape? What is your favorite way of running away from a difficult situation? What, what is your default? Is it uh, anger? Is it to hide? Is it to resort back to old addictions? What is it for you? Years ago, I learned this lesson. I was in a very, very difficult situation at work. I had a commanding officer that, that came into our unit and he, uh, he began to really hammer on me for no reason at all. He picked me out. And the only reason I can think of is I was the senior officer there. And if he could beat me into submission, all the other officers would take notice and they would have to fall in line as well because there was nothing I was doing, but yet he was still targeting me for everything. And instead of leaning into God, instead of resting in God and finding my peace and strength in him, I ran away from the problem. I I transferred to another unit. Now, what I learned is years later, the problem doesn't go away. See, these things are cyclical and, and we need to address them. We need to face them head on or we're destined to repeat it. I learned that God was trying to teach me something and I chose to take matters into my own hands and I chose to run instead of trusting in him and looking for the lesson that he wanted to teach me. There's a lot of ways for us to escape the reality of the situation that we're going through right now. But God, I believe, wants us to stand strong. He wants us to stand firm and he wants us to put our faith in him and watch him do miracles 
in our lives. Verse 21 says this. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now, obviously, this is a very unusual way to organize an army. Jehoshaphat's battle plan was literally to put his choir on the front row. If you had gone back to World War II and presented this idea to General Patton, he would have fainted. Like, he would have thought you were crazy. But Jehoshaphat, this was his plan. He's like, here, uh, guys, let's gather up here. Um, I've got a question for you. Um, do any of y'all sing? Okay, you do, Okay. You got good pipes? Okay, we're going to take you and you and you and you, and we're going to form a little bitty choir, and we're going to have you guys go out in front of the army. Picture this. You've got a mountain that has an, an three different armies from three different nations on it. Their swords are sharpened. Their shields are shined. They're ready to go to battle against Israel. And then you look across the valley, and then you have the Israeli army, and here they are. Uh, they, they've got choir boys out in front. Jehoshaphat says, uh, we're going to take you and we're going to make you sing. We're going to put the choir out on the front row as we march into battle. And that's what they're doing. They're just singing. The army that's across from them has got to be thinking, what's going on? I mean, even Jehoshaphat's men got to be thinking, what is our leader up to? What is he doing? And I'm sure the choir's going, oh, we want to know too, because here we are on the front row, right? But there's a very important truth in this. I think there's symbolism in this for us. Not only are we called to stand firm, but number two, we're told to thank God in advance for the victory. See, they were thanking God in advance for the victory that he was about to deliver. Even before it happened, even before a single person was struck dead, even before the battle was won, they were thanking God for the upcoming victory. See, it takes faith to see your victory even before you fight the battle. This is the idea of choosing faith over fear. See, when we learn to walk by faith and really, really trust God, then we're able to thank God in advance for the victory that he will bring in our lives. See, thanking God by, by praising and, and thanksgiving, these are just simply verbalized faith. That's all that is. It's just verbalizing our faith when we thank God for a victory after the fact, that's just gratitude. That's not faith, that's gratitude. Faith is, is thanking God in advance for the victory. And notice what they're singing. They're singing, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. See, they're making a declaration in this moment. God, we know you love us and we know whatever is ahead of us, you can handle it. And whatever you have in mind, we're okay with it because we know that your faithful love endures forever. And we thank you for that. Look at the effect of praise in verses 22 through 24. At the very moment they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. See, there's power in thanking God in advance. There's power in praising. There's, there's power in expecting God to do what only God can do. God confused the enemy and they started fighting each other and they killed one another. They turned on each other and they destroyed themselves 
while the Israelites looked on, they didn't even have to draw a single sword. All they were doing is singing and praising God. How do you choose faith over fear? Well, I think you stand firm. You, you thank God in advance for the victory. And then number three, you worship God with praise and thanksgiving. You know that insurmountable problem that you have in your life? You know that, that one where the odds are so stacked against you, you don't see any way through it. You don't see any way over it or under it, that problem. When are you gonna start thanking God for the fact that he's already got it solved? That he already has a plan. Not only does he know what the enemy's doing, but he has a plan for you as well. See, when you begin thanking God and you begin praising him, you are simply speaking and singing your faith. Do you feel victorious in that moment? Probably not. Can you reach out and touch the victory? Probably not. But see, it's not a matter of feeling or finding. It's a matter of faith. And you'll notice in this passage that the victory was won as soon as the people begin to worship and praise God by singing to him. It says, at the very moment they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord begin to act. At that very moment, the Lord began to act on their behalf. And he won the battle for them without them ever having to do anything. It's always appropriate to worship God, even in desperate times. And I would say, in fact, the most appropriate thing you can do in desperate times is to stop and worship God. I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this one. Write it down. Worship is a weapon against fear. Worship is a weapon against fear. Psalm 22 says God is enthroned in the praises of Israel. See, when we worship, we're choosing praise over panic. Some of us, we struggle to worship. You know why? Because our eyes are on the wrong thing. We're looking at the wrong thing. We're focused on the wrong thing. Can I just be honest with some of y'all? Just as your pastor, some of y'all need to turn the news off. Some of y'all need to take a break from Facebook and other social media because you are losing your mind. Why? Because your focus is on the wrong thing. You're not focused on God and what he's doing for you. You're looking at what the enemy's doing. You're looking at the three armies that are up on top of the mountain ready to charge you. That's what you're looking at. You need to remember that influences are everything. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to take three minutes and I want us to list our blessings. Just take some time and I want you to make a list of all the blessings that God has put in your life. Think through the last several weeks. Even if you're out of a job, even if you're struggling right now, there are still blessings. And I want you to write these things down because you're gonna refer back to them this week. As you start to struggle, I want you to go back to these blessings and I want you to turn the TV off and I want you to read over these blessings to know that God is with you, that he cares for you, that he has a plan for you. And in that moment, I want you to be able to choose praise over panic, faith over fear. Go ahead and take some time and write down your blessings. I hope you came up with a really long list of blessings because I want you to remember that worship is a weapon against fear. Now, you might be thinking that worship is just singing, but it's not. See, worship is anything that declares who God is. When you were sitting there making that list, you were actually worshiping. Now, whether it's from our voices being lifted, whether it's from our thoughts dwelling upon God, whether it's from a grateful heart, whatever it is, those things are worship. And anytime that we do that, we are using it as a weapon against fear. So in our story, the enemy has been destroyed. They destroyed themselves. And after the battle was over, 
listen to the results in verses 25 and 26. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Now imagine this entire army from three different nations came to to fight against Israel. And for some reason, they bring all their riches and all their finest jewelry into battle with them. I mean, who ever heard of a general telling his troops, now, man, we're getting ready to go into battle, so make sure that you put your most expensive jewelry on. That doesn't happen. So the only way that I can account for this is that God moved in those people to make sure that they brought all of that plunder with them so that it would be turned over to the people who worshiped him. Proverbs 13 says, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. See, God not only helped them overcome an enemy that they didn't think there was any way they could defeat, but he also blessed them on the other side of it as well. God not only overcomes our enemies, but he blesses us in the process. It's amazing how God can work. See, God is the only one who can turn our valley of the shadow of death into the valley of blessing. And God wants us to live there. He wants us to live in that valley of blessing, to watch his salvation, to trust him, to lean into him, to to ask him to rescue us, especially when we can't see any other way of overcoming whatever we're facing. Now, how do you get to the valley of blessing? Number one, you stand firm. You thank God in advance for the victory and you worship God with praise and thanksgiving. That's how we stay in the valley of the blessing. Now, have you ever noticed that when Christians act like Christ, the world actually takes notice? Take a look at how this story ends. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Wouldn't you like that to be true in your life? Wouldn't you like that to be the story of your life? That you would have peace on every side, the family side, the career side, the financial side, the the social side, physical, sexual side to have peace on every side. Wouldn't that be incredible? How do you get there? How do you get to the valley of blessing? You you live out your faith. You choose faith over fear. You allow God to answer your problems for you. And when you do this, it becomes a testimony to unbelievers and, and the world takes notice of it, that you serve a God who is still in the business of doing miracles, a God who loves to demonstrate his power to those who are willing to believe in him, who expect him to work in their lives. This is the God that we serve. Now, I know many of you are really struggling with what we're going through right now. I I know a lot of us, we're we're facing circumstances that we're not sure how we're gonna overcome. Very, very difficult circumstances. Do Do you feel like the odds are stacked against you? Do you feel overwhelmed in this moment? The question is, what do you do about it? Here's what you do. You stand firm. You thank God in advance for the victory and you worship God with praise and thanksgiving. This is what we do. We turn to God. We allow him to work in our lives and we rest in him. We trust in him. 
Now, this is a fantastic story out of Second Chronicles 20. Amazing story, but it's not nearly as amazing as what happens later on in Scripture. See, God would ultimately demonstrate his love for us by sending his own son, who would go to the cross, who would give up his life in crucifixion so that you and I could be forgiven, so that we could have a right relationship with God. And today, if, if you want this type of peace on every side, if you want to be uh, that person who dwells in the valley of blessing, the first step is to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, I, I want you to text to this bottom number. We want to introduce you to Jesus, and we want to, we want to help you get started on this journey with Jesus. We want to grow together. And so please text. That's your first step today. For those of you that already know Christ, I want you to know that God's love never stops. It never fails. It rescues us in the darkest of times. It overcomes the most dangerous enemies. And it's because of God's great love that you and I can sing just like they did in 2 Chronicles 20. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. How do we express this? We stand firm. We thank God in advance for the victory and we worship God with praise and thanksgiving. When we do this, we are choosing praise over panic. We're choosing faith over fear. Now, King Jehoshaphat was able to do this because God's promise was enough for him. God's promise was enough for him to take his entire nation and go to battle, knowing that God was going before them, that God had a plan. They didn't need to fear and that God would always be with them. My question to you this morning is, are God's promises enough for you to walk in faith? To walk into this current crisis or, or the one that's coming tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now, do you, do you lean into God's promises enough that you can walk in faith? The promises that he says he will fight for you, that his mercies are new every day for you, that he will renew your strength, that he hears you, he delivers you from evil, that he, that he is your stronghold, your shield, that his love endures, that he will set you free, that he will meet your daily needs, that nothing can take you from his hand, that he cares for you, that he has redeemed you, that he provides a way for you out of temptation, that he will comfort you, that he will give you wisdom. And we could just go on for days and, and it all wraps up with one of my favorites, that he is coming back someday. Are his promises enough for you to be able to walk in faith? I hope so. Because when the crisis comes, we need to be able to stand firm, to thank God in advance for the victory and to worship God with praise and thanksgiving. This is how we respond to a crisis. This is what it means to choose faith over fear. Now, I wanna pray that for us right now and then we're gonna lift our voices together and we're gonna sing about it. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you are a God that is over everything. A God that, that has called us to himself. A God who sent his son to die for us because his love was so great. A God who knows exactly what we're going through. Lord, thank you for being that God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for drawing us close to you, providing a way so that we could be forgiven and be made right with you. Lord, today... As we read through this story, Lord, as we're, as we're challenged, I pray that in this next week that we would look to you more, that we would lean into you more, that we would trust you more. And God, I pray that you would increase our faith. Help us, Lord, in this moment to choose faith over fear. And Lord, we know that this will 
Help mold and shape us into people that look more and more like you. We pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless. Thank you.